Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. Good afternoon, Bailey. Good morning, Dad. How are you? How was <laughs> okay. breakfast? It, it was good. Um, we did a little, we went down on the farm this morning. Oh, Bob Evans. Yeah. Um, you don't have those over there, do you? No, but isn't it a real testament to the breakfasts we had before I moved that you said the catchphrase and I knew it? Well, I mean, I don't know that if that's about breakfast or about the fact that they've blanketed the world with advertising. No, Dad, I don't. You seem to be a downplaying your in, like input into Bob Evans's marketing influence. Really? Yeah, because you're basically a street team for them. Wow. When we're in there. Did I just street team for them by accident? You, you just did. You street teamed. Or they need to send me some, you know, some kind of funding. Yeah, usually you got to sign a contract before you give the endorsement or else yeah, uh, I, I, they don't have to send me money. I would be fine with just some free breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably mention that the next time you're in there like, hey, I mentioned your company on my podcast. So. It happened. Yeah. It went out over the Internet. And they'll be like, how many views? If like, I say the six. interwebs, <laughs> how many people listen to it? Uh, five. But they were five influential people. They were five very, very loyal listeners. And all five of them came in. So, yeah, you know, I could go with like a free homestead farmer breakfast. Just uh, just as an appreciation. Just hey, though, I do give them uh, I do give them this propped uh, this prop. I give them props for this okay. because they finally replaced their. Uh, payment system with one that takes Apple Pay. Mm -hmm. and, that is uh, nice. Yeah, pretty much everywhere here has Tap to Pay. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't understand why that's not universal. I don't understand, first of all, why the UK somehow did that faster than the US. I don't know why people don't wouldn't switch over to it immediately. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's so much faster and easier than uh, messing with the card. Um, but yeah, no idea, but I'm also giving Apple pay props. Yeah. I guess, um, I used a lot of Apple products yesterday cause we started recording the new record. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we have, you know, there, there were a couple of iPads going, of course, some Mac studio, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, various different, uh, pieces of equipment that all of which at some point had some sort of technical malfunction. <laughs> we had the, the, the soundboard, which is not Apple, it's Behringer. It, it, it needed to be rebooted once. We had the, uh, the drum kit, which is an electric drum kit from Roland uh, mm -hmm. that had some, you know, technical difficulties. I think the only thing that worked really well was the, you know, the acoustic guitars. <laughs> Those didn't have any technical malfunctions. Mainly um, because they only had so few avenues in which to technically <laughs> malfunction. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's no way to reboot your Martin. You know what I'm talking about? No. Mm -hmm. no. Um, so. I mean, you can basically like destroy the body or break a string. Uh, those are the two main 
I mean, and if I broke a string, that would, you know, that wouldn't be necessarily a technical malfunction. That would be a physical one, right? Yeah. Also highly unlikely since I put brand new strings on it right before the session. <laughs> I would say so. You know, they, I mean, it could happen if you get a little bit rowdy, I guess, or if you used a pair of clippers, but, um, so yesterday I made a big old pot of soup because I was like, ooh, meal prep. That'll be good. Soup. And yes. Speaking of technical malfunction, um, I took out a little piece of kitchen uh, chicken uh, to test out the seasoning of it. I was like, okay, kitchen chicken's definitely cooked. So you had some test chicken. I had some test chicken, um, but failed to recognize that even if the outside had cooled down enough for me to take a few bites, like chew it. Um, that doesn't mean there wasn't boiling hot water on the inside, um, which I only recognized when it was about halfway down my throat, like past the point of coughing it up. So like it started burning around like mid chest and then burnt all the way to my stomach. And I was like, well, this isn't great, but probably not a semi-permanent issue. Uh, and oh boy, I was wrong because today I'm like, hmm, water it is. Because uh, my throat still is sore. It still hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the thing about soup is it can be soothing or scalding. Yeah. You know? So it's scalded, and I yeah, am scalded. Scalding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the soft tissue up in this bitch, it's scalded. Um, and then. What was really ironic was, um, you know, I hopped on the internet and I was like, what are some chill and easy solutions for a in-pain throat? And they were like, well, Paul's after the immediate burn. Huh? Paul's <laughs> yeah. mentholiptus. Yeah, they were like, you can do cough drops or like <laughs> uh, like lozenges, uh, drink lots of water. And then they were, they were like, or you could just, no you know, make something soothing and warm for your throat like soup or hot tea and i was like no 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 uh, it needs to be the opposite of that i'm thinking ice cream you know yeah. that would that would work um you know some good nice good ice cream from like oberweiss so you look at it, this thing is a pitch fest today we're pitching products yeah first off i'm chewing on halls because i have some sort of a throat thing going on mm, different um, throat thing more it, like yeah. seasonal throat thing yeah yeah more like that um, and then, uh, but you know, there, there's, uh, there's all sorts of product placements in here today. I, I'm sure they're going to send us tons of money for it, Bailey. Sure, hon. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a theme. Be right on that. <laughs> I don't know that we're completely endorsing them, but <laughs> I don't, I, I don't either, but uh, you I, know. Think that, I think actually ice cream or milk would help with e either one of those with, uh, with a scalded throat. Because, you yeah. know, it's a thick, you know, kind of like a creamy and cold is what you need. Yeah. Like a sad so, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've and it's before. a shame like, because. Usually when I get like a scalded like mouth or throat, it's from pizza rolls. They're like. Yeah. Same concept, <laughs> right? Because the outside is fine. And then like. It explodes. It explodes. Lava into your throat. Yeah. 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 So, but usually that's just in the mouth. This one's like all the fucking way down there. <sighs> yeah, you needed to chase it with milk real fast after and keep it from Should have, didn't. Yeah. Yeah. 
so, I, I actually uh, advocate for a, a nice glass of milk with chicken soup. Like, you know, especially if you're having a little bit of seasonal um, throat issues. Right. Yeah. That's what you'll be rocking this week. I don't know. I'm going to St. Elmo's for dinner because it's AJ's birthday. Yeah, I, I heard about that. AJ and I were on the phone for maybe 30, 45 minutes yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a half of it was he had to take my cat to the vet at eight in the morning on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, was, I was like, I'm going to. Well, that's why, gonna... he wanted to, that's why he wanted to do the birthday dinner the day after, because he was like, um, to, on my birthday, I have to take Bailey's cat to vet things all day long. So I, 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 I let's just do it the next day. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about all day long, because that appointment was definitely not all day long. I think he expected it to be all day long. You know, what I'm I saying? mean, that's a fair assumption, <laughs> I <Yeah>. suppose. <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> I told him, I was like, I've had this appointment before. It like, should what just is, what be. What is the cat going through that it's all day long? He's like, I don't know. It's all day long. I, I was like. All right, brother. So we can do it on the fifth. No problem. You know. So it's literally he's just getting like the health certificate needed filed so that she can travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's literally they just take her into the vet and the vet scans her through the carrier to make sure that her uh, tag is still scannable. And then they just check off the form and send it to the USDA and And then they say that'll be four hundred dollars, please. <laughs> So I can't uh, wait for uh, Randy to actually be in Scotland so that Randy can join us on the program. Yeah. We're yeah. going to need a little bit of like cat purring noise mixed in with the podcast here. I don't I don't know uh, what you think a cat is, but it's certainly not like something that's going to purr on command. But we can well, try. I think Randy will make noise. I've heard Randy before. I mean... Yes, um, you've heard Randy in her time of despair. Um, if, we, but, if, we, if we need her to make noise, all we got to do is stick Randy in that carrier that you have. <laughs> yeah, and drive her around for a little while. And drive yeah. her around and then leave her with the uh, people at the airport when she can't get on the plane. That, yeah. that, that really, she yeah. loves that. That was probably yeah. her finest moment. Um, yeah. 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 She, sure she didn't hate that. Oh, sure she, she loved was. the people behind the desk. I mean, (laughs) in fairness, I think she liked the people behind the desk about as much as I did. I fucking hated it. (laughs) She liked the people behind the desk about as people uh, about as much as I'd like having my left arm cut off. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's generous. Given the day that they walked me into. uh, Yeah. Oh, you're here to pick up the cat. Oh, thank God. Well, (laughs) cat should be on a plane to Scotland, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they were not I think what really well. just embroils me in rage is uh, so uh, so for reference we're talking about when I'm originally moved to Scotland dear listener and I uh spent a solid 2 weeks making sure her paperwork was in order and that she was on the flight like arguing with airlines calling being like listen this isn't confirmed online I need it confirmed before we go to the airport I have all these documents they said Okay, well, just take her to the airport check-in desk, and that that'll work. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> take her to the airport check-in desk, lay out all of her paperwork. I'm like, this is this, this, and this. They said, "Wow, you're really prepared. We've never seen anyone who's so prepared." And then they looked it up, and they went, "Oh, 
where's the letter from the arriving airport? And I said, what letter from the arriving airport? And they were mm. like, the UK requires a letter from the arriving airport. You didn't hear about that? Well, it takes three days to process. And I said, oh, okay. Can you show that to me on the UK visa website? And I like have it on my phone. I'm like, this is the material I was given. And here's the Delta information. And here's the KLM information, like your your partner airline or whatever the fuck. It's like, doesn't say it on any of these websites. How was I supposed to find that in information out? And they were like, yeah, pretty much the only way you'd know is if you came to the airport check-in desk and asked us beforehand. Not called. Came to the airport check-in desk and asked. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, oh, how big of a deal is this? And they said, well, if we let her on the airplane, then they'll euthanize her upon arrival. (laughs) And I said, what? And then later, I called the uh, arriving airport's uh, pet office. And they said, who told you that? That'd be inhumane. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and it I would. said, I agree. It would be inhumane to do that. It would be also like just ridiculous. <laughs> you're, you're right. That does sound inhumane and ridiculous. <laughs> like a waste of but time. But that's what like, they whatever. told me you were like. So I don't know what to tell you. Well, you can't believe what Americans say about other countries. You have to learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. Well, regardless they weren't going to let me take her on that delta flight so now aj is taking a direct flight with a different airline Um, and that's wise and that's why i say choose a different airline yeah yeah so all all of that is cool because i think randy's preparing to to make the move yeah i'm excited Um, and very nervous but (laughs) it'll be good as you should be thank Um, you (laughs) yeah I mean, you can always change your mind and come back here, you know, save Randy the hassle. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A transcontinental move on a week's notice. That sounds very easy to accomplish. I mean, easier than moving there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, to, to be fair, easier to move back than it was to move there for certain. Well, yes. Um, so, well, you know, apparently Randy passed all the tests yesterday, so we feel like we have a a fighting, yeah. you know, a 50-50 shot at this point. Thank you for the favorable <laughs> the high, odds. The high, <laughs> may the, the odds high. be ever in your favor. It feels Thank like it feels like Hunger Games over here. Yeah, I told AJ like, let me know once you guys get there in Chicago. It's like, okay, I will. And in my head, I'm like, could you just let me know every time you breathe on Friday? That would be great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Text me like, yeah, I just took a shit. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's Those are the kind of updates you're going to get as well. I, Good. I have a feeling. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> he also, so I sent him $500 for it. And he was like, it was technically only 400 but I'll just keep the extra 100 for uh, our trip to Dublin. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's that. You, you didn't expect to get change, right? From, I didn't, in fact, okay. no. That's a good expectation. 
Yeah, didn't expect change at all. I mean, from anyone when they're going to like transport your cat across the ocean, whatever they give you, whatever you give them, there's no change coming back. <laughs> no, in fact, I was honestly only asking how much it was uh, to make sure it wasn't over 500. Right. But then I, mean, I was like, oh, he would let me know. Everything else is a gratuity is what that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. But uh, he, I mean, I'm sure he'll have a pleasant flight with the. <laughs> Randy no, there will be no trouble at all. Randy loves that case. I know it. Well, <laughs> at least she'll have AJ and she knows AJ. So that's nice. That's true. And she's just going to be mad at you when she gets there. So. Yeah, she's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. AJ, AJ was like, oh, I think she'll run to me immediately and start purring up on my leg. And I'm like, oh. You seem to misunderstand Randy's thoughts on abandonment. <laughs> you guys are going to be in cat cat human therapy for a while. Yeah, because I, I don't know if you recall, but when I came home in October, she was pissed for like 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was probably just because she, you know, missed you. Yes. No, I know. Because, you know, after pouncing on my head while I was in bed. I did wake up to her like purring on my chest. So, yeah, well now she's going to, uh, uh, have been away from you a lot longer than that was. So, um, I mean, it's only been yeah. four July, months? July to October is a shorter period of time than three October months to March. November. So it was like all of November, December, January, February, four months. Yeah. So. Long time. Yeah, I know. It's been forever since you've been home, Bailey. I don't know. I don't know. It's just sad over here. Without well, you. unfortunately, I am not a oil baroness. So. What? Why? What? Wait. Hold on. What, back up. Why would you have to be an oral oil baroness? I'm just saying flights across the ocean aren't very cheap, which is why I don't do it a lot. Well, you were supposed to invent the transporter, Bailey. Well. I don't know I who told it. you that, but they Captain were a liar. He left word that you were <laughs> one moment. <laughs> what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get in touch with Captain Picard real quick. One sec. <laughs> You're gonna give him a, a shout. Hey Jean Luc, we must have a conversation. Because you know. I'm not inventing the transporter. So this pause. Yeah, so Jean-Luc says phone. you're full of shit. <laughs> is, that the, is that the consensus? That's the consensus. Oh. That's, and Riker uh, was there too, and he also said not to believe a word you say. Fuck you, number one. Number two as well. Well, Riker's number one. Well, yes, but Jean-Luc was... Oh, wait, I guess it goes captain number one. Yeah. Who's number two? Uh, who, who gets to be number two? Some that's That would be Riker's dookie. No, I don't think that they rank it like <laughs> captain, captain's assistant, and then captain's assistant's bowel movements, and then the third person. Well, well he, he was first officer. That's why he's number one. Right, but who's second officer? Um, I believe... It, you know, over time, there were different second officers, but at the end of the day on Next Generation, I think it was Commander Data. Mm. But His I, Data I, eventually became captain. 
I, I think at the uh, but as they um, you know I, I, I you know there, there's a lot of blending of series there so yeah that's true <laughs> did you ever watch Deep Space Nine yeah I don't think I did well, hey, I'm sure it's out there for you on Netflix or something. <laughs> Is it worth the watch? Yeah, it's good. Oh, I finally finished Ted Lasso, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I was wrong. I was like two or three episodes from the end. Fuck Nate. That's yeah. I, I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> Nate, Nate is going through problems that only a serious therapist could help with. Uh, I mean, like, he, homie he, needs a therapist, a psychiatrist, and a psychopharmacologist. Like... Yeah. I mean, yeah. complete lack of any appreciation for someone yeah. who helped him in, mm -hmm. in innumerable ways in his life. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and like, I, I hate the um, Blaney speech of like, you held me up and then forgot me like I was nothing because it's like a little bit like, um, well, buddy, you you personally were put up high and then it's your job to take people putting you there uh, and say, Oh, well I'm going to give myself a little self love and, and not lean so heavily on other people's love in order to survive. Well, I mean, and maybe not be awful to the people who do like you. The, the thing is that Nate was the towel boy. And yeah. he had no chance of ever becoming a coach if Ted Lasso didn't come along. Exactly. He, Ted Lasso treated him like a human being and no one else was at all mm -hmm. and rose him up out of his poverty, you know, his level in life and his station to a higher level than he could ever have imagined. And then he just completely, you know, threw him under the bus, stabbed him in the back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, all for his own personal fantasies of grandeur. Yeah. You know, and mostly because he wouldn't listen to him when Ted finally learned how to coach soccer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it took him like almost two full seasons to really learn the game. Well, in did, fairness, that's pretty good time. Yeah. Like, he, 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 once he did, he made really good decisions. In fact, at the end of the first season, he was really making, starting to make better decisions as a coach. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, before that, like uh, he was leaving it up to everyone else as a good coach would do because they were smarter than him and knew more about the game than he did. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> um, and, uh, but he knew a lot more about managing people and, and teams than all of them combined. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> so. well, and that's the part of the reason why he brought Nate on as coach staff in the first place was because Nate, um, had been with the team, right? Like knew well, he, the players. He, had been with the team. he also knew everything and like bled soccer. Right. Yeah. And so he's like that he's going to have insight. Like what he saw immediately was this guy's going to have insights about the game that I need to learn from. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to bring him on and listen to him because I mean, I don't, I don't know the strategy here that much. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't even know what the rules are. I don't know how big the field is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, and uh, so I thought it was, um, you know, just like what a, what a shit that he became at the end, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Honestly, um, the coffin nail for me on the, okay, you're not going to be a redeemable character was uh, when he kissed Keely. Because I don't really respect anybody who takes someone treating you like a human as flirting, but... Um, well, my, uh, like, you know, when he started, uh, when he, when he basically told, uh, everything about Ted to the press mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, Trent Krim, who was the press and had no need to tell Ted liked Ted so much that he told him yeah, who did it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, the, the guy was so impressed with him as a person that he, you know, and, and I'm, I mean, when he wrote his story about him, like in the first season, he wrote like a story that was like, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to be good at all, but I'm rooting mm-hmm. for the guy because he's such an incredible person. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, I love Trent Krim. Like, yeah. I think Trent Krim he, 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 he was an honest journalist, right? Yeah. And he was like, I don't think he's going to be a good coach at all, but I, I think he's an incredible person and I can't help but rooting for him, you know, like, yeah. And he like, he's genuinely like a good person. Like, like, yeah. Well, and even when like he was saying like, Hey, listen, uh, like as a journalist, I have to write the story, but as a person who respects you, this is my source. Right. Like, right. Yeah. That take on it is very much like, I'm not going to sit on the story just because it's going to hurt you even though I don't want to do this, like, I, like, Somebody like I have else to write it anyway. It. So I'm going to write it. Right. Yeah. But I'm also, I, I respect you. So I'm telling you who, yeah. who the Fox in the hen house is yeah. because I don't really care if I have him as a source later or not. That's basically yeah. what it was. He's like, I dislike him so much and disrespect what he's done so much that I will tell you because <laughs> he's not yeah. going to be useful to me anymore. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah. And, um, and, and I, I mean, and I, I feel the same way, like a, a total, like, you know, I, I wasn't sure about Nate all along and they were kind of giving you a little bit of, you know, uh, Ted likes him. So maybe I should. And uh, like a lot of other, you know, like the, the, the thing about it is at the end of the day, Jamie Tart was right about Nate yeah. from the beginning. Like he's just a shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and that's why he picked on him all the time and all that. Cause somehow in that like street brain that Jamie has, right. Yeah. That doesn't work well in the, in the, the professional world. Right. But on the mm-hmm. street level, he knew that that guy just from the beginning was someone he had to like knock down a peg. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why those, that's why those things happen sometimes in like locker rooms and in life and in like Muncie, um, (laughs) (laughs) like there are people that like, you know, they have, they have nothing and you have to show, you have to keep them there because they're just, they're bad people at the heart. And if they aren't like, you know, and the street way of doing that is just to beat up on them or whatever. Right. Which is improper and inappropriate, but that's exactly what Jamie was doing because he recognized that dude like straight through him from the moment he jumped. Right. (laughs) You know, the odd Mm -hmm. thing about Jamie Tart's character is he mostly knows everyone's character, including his own. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like after two seconds of them, he, he mostly <laughs> knows all of their characters, including his own, which, you know, it's like when, yeah. uh, when Keely and him broke up and, and she's like, you know, usually it takes me months to like 
um, to decide if I made a good choice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you, just by being you, have made this a really quick process. He says, thank you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And no, she says, so thank you. And he goes, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite Jamie yeah. Tart moment is it's in the se season one where him and Keely are still together and they're having Ted and her are having this weird back and forth where she's like, he, he goes, if you could be a shark or a cheetah, which would you be? No, no it wasn't and, shark or cheetah. It was lion or panda. Yeah, if you could be a lion or a panda, which you which would you be? And Jamie goes, Coach, why would I want to be either of those things? I'm already me. <laughs> he goes, you know, I don't really think you fully understand how mentally healthy that really is. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and uh, I mean, actually, my favorite Jamie Tart moment is really a Roy Kent moment because, like, uh, Roy is kind of refusing to coach him, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets to the point where Jamie like really wants him to coach him, right? And because uh, 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 somewhere inside, Jamie recognizes that Roy was an amazing player, like yeah. that he just got to play with the old version of him, right? And. Uh, he, he, he's, he's like standing there and he's kind of refusing to coach him. And he finally gives in and he says, okay, the problem is that he fucked you up. <laughs> it's like, he made you all nicey nice out there and all of this stuff. And you need, and you are a shit and you just need to be a shit. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to be a dick. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, well, what do you mean? I need to be a dick. Like, he's like, not all the time. Sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> basically, the problem is you used to be a dick all the time, and that wasn't good for the team, you know? But now you're not being a dick at all, and that's really bad for the team because we don't get to see any of the, like, amazing things you can do when you are a dick, you know? Mm. <laughs> right? And so <laughs> he's like, well, when do I need to know that? You know, and they have that whole symbol that they give him um, yeah. uh, for when to tell him to be a dick because he doesn't really, you know, recognize in the game when he needs to do that. And it's mm -hmm. like, um, I, I love that moment because Jamie is, is like so confused. Like, first you told me I need to do this. Now you told me I need to do that. What's going on here? And he's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I love that. Like they've uh, he's uh, they, they've made him a, a character that has started to learn who who, mm -hmm. he, who he needs well, to be as a person and a player all at once. <laughs> what I really loved about him was his stint on like how they introduced what he's been up to for season two is like. He did a stint on Love Island, right? Like literally right. ditched Manchester <laughs> to, to go on Love Island for a season. And then he was out super duper fast. And then in the post interview, they go like, well, it seems like you and Kelsey really had a connection. What happened there? And he goes, well, honestly, uh, I knew that the best strategy in the game was to couple up with the hottest piece of tail out there. So um, I did that. And it worked for me to a certain degree, but now it's over. So I guess back to soccer. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the matter of factness of some of the characters. <laughs> he, like, he's not hiding any of his cards, like not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, he he's not good at hiding any of his cards ever. He's playing euchre fa- like face up. <laughs> he's playing poker like face up. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is even worse. Yeah, you know, he's like he, he's like playing like Maverick when he decided he was going to lose all the hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also thought that the whole Sam and Rebecca thing was going to uh, end end and not just like pause weirdly oh i think that sam is ending that yeah 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 um which is the way it was gonna have to end because even though she knew it couldn't work she couldn't stop herself from having someone that actually cared about her yeah (laughs) which sucks You, you know you know because you know um, and then, you know, what he, what Rupert did there, I mean, total spoilers if people haven't watched it, but Hey, tough shit. The new series season's coming out in a week. So everybody should be ready. <laughs> um, but Rupert hiring Nate is, and buying his own team. <laughs> she, she thought he was being nice by handing over the other shares. And really it was that he can't own two teams at once. So, <laughs> um, I think for, first of all, could have and did you go like well that's suspicious like <laughs> right yeah. yeah but i also think it's a little bit like uh who cares what he does he's an asshole like yeah um, well she obviously has a lot of feelings still well they were married so i yeah. understand well, and, 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 you know, honestly, there's a, there's, there's a, a huge hate going on there and that, <laughs> the way that, that, that whole thing wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love what Ted did though, with, uh, you know, um, the, the, the entertainment for the show for, mm-hmm. for the, for the fundraiser, mm-hmm. because, um, what, what I really love about it is as, as a independent musician that he's like, no, this guy's an undiscovered talent and we're just going to stick him up there. Right. And, and it was going to be like an international star that was on the stage. Right. Mm-hmm. That, didn't, that didn't come because Rupert told him not asked to. him not to. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the guy that Ted put up there was fabulous. Right. Like <laughs> he was a street musician and he was awesome and putting him up, and there are so many, great musicians around that I know that, you know, are, are just as good or better than some of the people that are, you know, on the biggest stages. They just haven't either been discovered, gotten the right light, done the right kind of promotion or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, so I, I thought that was just an awesome thing because, you know, they're all like looking at him and she's like, Oh my God. And he's like, don't judge this book by its cover. Uh, believe me, <laughs> you know, and the dude was just killer, right? He like yeah. he got up there and just stomped, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, like the other thing from that is like I, you know, they had that little moment in the alleyway that was like halfway through the season, right? And he mm-hmm. goes, she, he's like, I know you think that you're like the only one who sees him for who he truly is, but like you're not like everybody knows he's an asshole. Like right. <laughs> whether or not they choose to act on that information is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he goes in there and he, he looks at Rob, uh, he looks at Rupert and he goes, you know, it occurs to me that if you can get him to show up with what, just a text that you might be able to tell him not to come in the very same fashion. And, like, and then he says, yeah, but that would make me an, a major asshole. <laughs> and Ted goes, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in, in fairness to Rupert, while he did that to sabotage her and make her mm-hmm. feel painful, he did still care about the charity and gave a million dollars, you know, which was well, more than the goal for the whole thing. The, the goal was 800000 and he, you know. I, Dad, I know we've had this conversation before, but um, I take issue with thinking that a lot of money for normal people and normal income is a lot of money for other people. Like, I don't think that him giving that money really put a dent in his pocket. I think that. Oh, no, I I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to imply that. What I was saying is that he. He did, you know, while he, he made it his uh, thing of torture, his guilt made him also give money to the charity that he started. Like, it was his I, charity I, fundraiser and all of those things, and he still, you know, he, he showed up there and did whatever he did to, like, get at her, right? And then yeah. he still gave the money because it, at, at the bottom of the day, at the end of the day, he still wanted to look like he wasn't a complete jerk, which is sure, you know, which is a but, guilt thing coming to, to get him. Right. <laughs> right. But not wanting to look like a jerk for not giving the money at a charity you started. And, um, like, oh, well, for, I mean, there's, there's a difference between up. actually yeah. wanting the charity to do well and just giving the money so that you don't look like the asshole at the end of the night. Like, well, yes, and but either way, I, I don't think it matters because it, it helped the charity. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how, I mean, how they got the money. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying he shouldn't have yeah. given the money so that it, just because it came from the wrong place. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think that he gets credit after such a small amount. I think that, like, for him, that's nothing. So, like, the barrier for him being not an asshole because of it is a lot higher. Oh, I, I, no, don't get me wrong. He's an asshole. This is just, this is, this is just like one little tick of let's give him a modicum of something back. No, like, but here's the thing. It doesn't even put a dent in it. Like, um, it's like saying like, oh, well, I'll just punch this concrete wall to tear it down. No. Like it'll hurt your hand, but. Yeah. But Nate would have not given a million. Do you understand no, what I'm saying? I'm not I'm just say, I'm just saying that maybe we don't <laughs> right. judge assholes by whether or not there are bigger assholes out there. Oh, no. I, I again, that like there's no equivocation here except that Nate's a bigger asshole like yeah. in every way. Like Well, uh, well what I'm saying is like it, I think that in my mind if Nate had that money and was in Richard's shoes, he would probably give even more money because he doesn't see that himself as the asshole. He sees himself as charitable and blah, 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 but he's also frivolous and impulsive. So it would be very easy for like him to just impulsively give a fuckload of money if he thought it would make him look good. Well, he's the wonder kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want to say wonder kid, wonder kid, wonder kid right in his face. Yeah. Then spit on him. Yeah. Well, especially because that interview quote, he was like, almost pretending to be humble like he was trying to get them to call him a wonderkind right uh-huh. and then he just was like no I, I mean i guess i'm not like a wonder kid or anything and they were like did you just say wonder kid <laughs> <laughs> i love that they just picked apart his english and 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 use that and and that's something that really gets to him that was awesome i mean yeah. 
he always um, seems to get the inadvertent, like uh, whatever it is that -hmm. would be endearing if he just embraced it. Yeah. But he can't because he feels like it's a slight, (laughs) Yeah, you know? Uh, So yeah, it is a slight, he's a wonder kid. Yeah. Like if you want it to be a slight, I'll make it a slight. (laughs) Yeah, we could do that. Like I said, that's what Jamie saw in him to begin with. Like, yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's it's part of why he just didn't like him from the from the go. You know, yeah. He's like this kid. This guy's a cowboy. He thinks he's the god. You know, <laughs> and yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him so far in his place as a cowboy. He's not gonna for, soon forget me. You know, right. And uh, and 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 that's the the thing. Roy's like, you know, it's just not right to treat people that way because he didn't actually. Neither did Ted or any of them see. What was well, going on, you know? Yeah. I think the funniest part was like, I think Beard definitely saw that very early on, but kept it to himself. And then like, the thing is, I think a, he also tried to give him a chance to be. Yeah. Well, and then Roy was like basically ignoring it because he's trying to be a good person. Right. Like, I think that like. <laughs> He's if trying to get he Roy was felt threatened by to, Nate in any way. <laughs> yeah, Roy didn't feel threatened by anyone because he's so wrapped up in himself, right? Well, and, but he also like uh, he wanted to win like more than anything else, and and he saw that it was bothering the team, so he went to talk to Ted about it. And Ted yeah. was like, "I'm not doing anything about it." Right. Like the, the team mm-hmm. has to work that stuff out basically because yeah. he was y- using it as a way to get Roy to be a leader, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and of course Roy had one of those, fuck, I'm going to have to do mm-hmm. it myself moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, love the Ted Lasso. I didn't watch any Gilmore Girls this week at all. So we're we've traded places because I watched ahead. You watched a, okay. Well, I did. I watched ahead. See, I, this um, week, I I was once again tied up in my Hogwarts legacy addiction. Right. So, um, I uh, I did. Uh, I, I'm up like fifty three percent of the quests are done now. <laughs> nice. Um, which is. You know, uh, it seems like a lot. I, um, I, I, I have defeated the main quests, but I have to do a bunch of side quests so that we can get to the house cup. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fun. So, um, you know, the the great thing is now that I have gotten and unlocked every spell, I'm a very powerful wizard. So, <laughs> um, so the side quests are a little bit like butter. Well, I mean, the spiders used to be a little bit of a challenge, but they have lost their ability to be challenging. Um, and the trolls, they're a lot more easily taken care of when you have Arvada Kedava. Um, oh, so you literally are murdering people. Well, I mean, the trolls, you're going to kill them one way or another. I, I feel like, you know, this is the part of it where I like look at this and go, why is Arvada Kedava an unforgivable curse? And the fact that I can like just, you know, because it's one shot that kills things or is it, it it doesn't make much sense because I mean, I can kill them with 38 blasts from my wand anyway. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) 
Well, so you know. I was thinking about that because we just finished rewatching the Harry Potter movies, and um, quite frankly, Sectum Sempra is like. Just as bad. A way worse curse. <laughs> That's a horrible way to die. <laughs> like, yeah, There's it some... can be undone, but like, it's like, I mean, okay, it's gonna shred your body. <laughs> also, to to break it down for you, there are some things that can't be killed with one shot of Avada Kedavra. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like when all of the dark magic that is welled up gets sucked into a dragon and that dragon gets sucked into a goblin, that thing's really fucking hard to kill. Like <laughs> you have to hit it with a lot of stuff, including that multiple times before you can kill it. Hmm. Um, but the, uh, but, but the trolls, I mean, they were pretty much a challenge until I learned that spell. And then it's like, okay, well, if one of those motherfuckers walks out, I'm just hitting it with that because this is stupid. <laughs> so yeah. Fight that big sucker all day, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hit him, and it takes about nine. It doesn't kill him, but it takes about ninety percent of his energy away. You know, then you can hit him with other stuff and take him down. But um, it takes a while for your Arvada Kadarva meter to regenerate, so you can do it twice. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. So you, you want to be careful about that. But um, I, I, I think it's just a brilliant game. And, um, you know, I guess I, I have a little bit of dark magic that I've been performing on, <laughs> you know, certain beasties that are, you know, pretty much dark beasts. And you yeah, said you were Gryffindor. No, I'm Ravenclaw. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. Not a lot of dark wizards coming from Ravenclaw. Yeah, I'm not a dark wizard. I'm actually not. I just use. Uh, well, magic. It's, I'm sorry. Do you go around killing things? Um, and it doesn't matter what house you would be from or what you were doing. You would go around killing things, or you wouldn't get through the game because the things are trying to kill you. So it's all self-defense, Bailey. Sure. <laughs> I'm not just killing them to be killed. Tell it to the judge. When I walk into a cave and there's a giant mountain troll in there that's fortified with dark magic, I'm going to have to kill it because it's going to kill me. It won't even let me out of the room. Like, right. <laughs> like there, there's not really a lot of choices here, Bailey. You, I'm just you saying I didn't. I didn't. The door shuts and you're stuck in there with him. You got to kill I'm him. I'm just saying I didn't figure you for an evil wizard, but now I'm reassessing and. I'm not an no. evil wizard. I'm not, you know, I, I'm fighting for good. You know, for your good. Well, no, for the good. But of, if you were for the, the good trolls, of, uh, mom. kind. Oh, the trolls—they're not good. Oh. <laughs> Fuck the trolls. You know, they're not good on the internet or on there. On um. There. Yeah. Um. So, I, uh, you know, my mantra right now is "fuck the trolls, fuck the goblins." Like I'm killing. I, I I'm afraid to tell you how far I've gotten in Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah, have you gotten all the way through? Did you watch like the rest of the series? Not all, not the rest of the series, but uh, the Death and Life Brigade is. Uh... Oh yeah, well we're gonna have to talk about that next week because I, <laughs> I haven't watched um, this week. Well, so. we can't uh, talk about it next week because I will be in a different place. Oh, so we have next week off. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Travel, uh, travel schedule is a little crazy next week and then. 
It's okay. Week I've after, been, I'll, I'll be good. I, I've been rolling the episodes in about a week and a half time period because um, okay. that was stretching it out for our uh, missed Sundays. So. Well, that's if everyone's cool with that, rooted. like this is this is just another thing why you should love our podcast, our inconsistency and our, um, you know, lack of a, of a of a true planning. That's yeah, there's no posting schedule. There's yeah. no no, we're not doing no any plan. of that. We're free the, thinkers. There and... will be stuff unless we, you know, decide that we're not. But, you know, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much you can look out. There'll be more stuff. Just set up your download to download the thing and uh, it'll be there sitting waiting for you when it shows up. You know, that's the way I feel. I'm trying to, let me tell you how, how far I got. Hold on. I am on season five, episode 11. Wow. You've yeah. really moved ahead. Yeah. 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 So. You, you're 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 good for a couple more weeks of stuff. If I, I can get on a bender and not catch up to you. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I would Especially, I would recommend a bender. Uh, I also got to tell you that when March fifteenth hits, that Ted Lasso is gonna like come out, and so. I know it'll come out one episode at a time because that's the way Apple TV does stuff. But well, so I'm gonna honestly save up on those because. Um, the 15th, AJ is going to be in town and the 16th, we're going to Dublin and I won't be back until the 18th. So I'm going to miss Ted Lasso day. Um, I see. So I won't watch those as they come out. So, you, so you'll get a, you'll get to watch them like on delay again. Yeah. Which is <laughs> fine by me. I'm not, I'm not uh, messing with it really. Although, um, so your family sharing has come in handy because um, we were watching the Harry Potters on Now TV. And then um, that's like a British streaming thing because the streaming services are different here. And um, they took them off. Like, <laughs> like we were literally, uh, it was like we watched three fourths of Goblet of Fire and then the next day it was gone. Uh, and I was like, well, shit. Um well, I have to I find mean, something else. We own it, so. And yeah. then I and then I remembered. I was like, wait, I have family sharing. Yeah. And I pulled up all of them, and then Jimmy was like, "Give me that fucking remote." And he like scrolled down to uh, Sorcerer's Stone, and he was like, "That's weird. I don't like that." Because, <laughs> because <laughs> it's philosoph philosopher's stone here. Oh yeah. Yeah, so he'd never seen it, and I was like, "Yeah, they dubbed it. it. Like, there's a separate, like Hermione says, Sorcerer's Stone. Like, mm -hmm. they recorded it twice. Really interesting. Yeah. Also, there was a moment in four that I thought they had re-recorded because, um, like, as Harry's going down the steps and Ron's talking about like. Nobody asked Hermione to the Yule Ball. Why else wouldn't she tell us who she's going with? And Harry looks at her, Ron, and goes, because we'd take the Mickey out of her if we did. Um, I didn't realize, like, now I know what that term means. And when I, like, originally watched Goblet of Fire, I didn't know. And so I was like, oh, I think that they, like, read dub that i think it's different in the american version and no it is not it is the same but i just didn't know what it means so i think my brain glossed over it <laughs> what does it mean uh it means like take the piss out of somebody like yeah you're like making fun of them i like, see there yeah you so basically like uh he's saying like yeah because 
we'd give her shit if she did like like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who she is going with because we would have made fun of her for it that's why and they did because then they found out it was victor crump and then all of a sudden it's like ooh, hermione isn't he like 40 so (laughs) yeah yeah that's taken the mickey so Victor Crumb. He's a shark. Yeah. I also, it was weird rewatching those uh, movies because I was like, at the start of each one, I was like reminding myself of Harry's age. Because like by the time he's 16, there are like fully grown adults being like, he's a liar. He's trying to stir the political agenda. (laughs) (laughs) So, and you're like, he is 16 years old. Like, oh, at 15, even it was like he literally watched Cedric Diggory die when he was 14. And then by 15, they were like, you're a fucking liar, Harry. How dare you lie about something like that? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I am a literal child. I would not lie about witnessing my friend's death. Like the the amazing thing about J.K. Rowling's writing is how. Like she's taken all of these things that have historically happened and the way propaganda works and all of those things and blended it into one big storyline. Mm-hmm. And and then the fact that some of those same kind of things are going on in the real world now at the same, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like you have all of those like things woven throughout it. And it's like, that's, that's kind of what makes it so amazing as a, as a book series, mm-hmm. the books really get into all that stuff way more than the movies. Well, like mm-hmm. the other thing was like, I think it was maybe order of the Phoenix when Dumbledore's army comes around. Right. And Cho Chang is the one who sells out Dumbledore's army. And for a second, you're like, Joe, you monster. And then you think about it and you're like, oh, she is a child. She is 16 years old. And she was manipulated. And yes. she was manipulated. They manipulated a 16-year-old girl into sharing information. Yeah, that would that makes sense. And of course, Dumbledore recognizes all of those things of the children all the time. Right? He yeah. he, he gives them all the credit. Like like yeah. you know, he he doesn't hold anything against them. He's expecting more only of Harry. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) and he's expecting more of Harry because he has to, not because it's fair. Yeah. You you know, (laughs) you know, and he's treating him like horribly and sometimes because he has to in order to make what he needs to happen happen. Right. Yeah. Well, Um, and even stay like, that's what I love about Cerberus Snape is he's one of the few people who actually like held Dumbledore accountable for that behavior. Right. He literally mm-hmm. was like, oh, so you've just been treating as a lamb that you're raising for the slaughter. That's fucked up, man. Like, and and then Dumbledore's like, oh, don't you act like you care about him. And it's like, um, well, I was literally in love with his mom. So he's pr- basically the only living memory of her. Uh, I, I, well, but you don't know any of that until like the very end. And then you just feel like shit because you've been such a shit to him. You know? Yeah, and then you reread, and you're like, no, he's just being an adult. Like, like well, he's not being an asshole, really. He's just being an adult. He's also like, being like, he's also like not giving him any breaks because he's also James. You know, whenever yeah. he reminds him of James, he can't help himself but be a little child and treat him like crap too. Yeah, right. But then he reminds him of Lily, and it's like, you know, he 
he's just like conflicted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's like, Oh, you're both of them. <laughs> Especially when he looks in her eye, when his eye looks in his eyes and sees mm-hmm. her eyes, you know, yeah. and he can't, you know, he can't deal with that at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, well, you know, especially after Harry broke his, uh, legilimens and got into his brain and saw, you know, mm-hmm. part of how he felt, you know, basically like the, edges well, especially him being like brutally bullied by, by James. Guys. He saw yeah, that, by- but he also, but he also saw a little bit of, you know, him, but, but Harry didn't really recognize what it was. Right. Yeah. That's what really embarrassed him. It wasn't about the James stuff. He wanted him to see that, but he accidentally yeah. let him see that he liked Lily, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Harry didn't catch that part very well. Right. Yeah. But, but it was there and that's why he was so embarrassed. Right. That's why he was so mad because yeah. he, he broke through and really saw the true him you know (laughs) and he didn't want that no that that that's that's the basis of the whole reason that he that Dumbledore knows he's loyal Mm because he knows how much he cared about Lily right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's no there's Dumbledore's like now he's not with Voldemort like that's a ridiculous notion um (laughs) Voldemort literally killed Lily and Lily's the only thing Severus has literally ever cared about so Yeah. (laughs) yeah And he will get him like yeah. <laughs> it doesn't like <laughs> that's that's what Dumbledore knows about the whole situation. Right. It's like mm-hmm. he killed Lily. There's no coming back from that. Like, I don't I don't yeah. think I don't think Voldemort even realized how strong his love was. And love is, you know, what's conquering everything. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, 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 w- w- when you read the book part of it and you get all that detail and it's just like. Oh, well, I mean, shit, Voldemort's toast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He he didn't know why he was toast. Like, he never saw any of it coming because he was completely blind to that. Well, and he also took zero time to think really about who his followers were as people. So, like, I I think that that's also... so self-absorbed and narcissistic, kind of like, you know, some people we might know in the real world. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, Well, like, the same goes for, like, the entire reason that Voldemort wasn't aware that he had failed to kill Harry Potter, right, was because Harry was kind and compassionate and saved Draco Malfoy's life. And then he just so happened to be directly answering for that behavior to Narcissus, Draco's mother, who then lied on his behalf and said, he's dead. Right. Like lied well, to the Dark Lord and told yeah, they Voldemort didn't... to his face that Harry Potter was dead when he wasn't. Well, and um, the 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 other thing is that at, at, at the end of it, in the books, which it it isn't carried well in the movies at all, no. that the Malfoys actually come over to Harry's team yeah. because of the way that Harry treated Draco and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you see what little people they are, right? Yeah. Like, and, and how hating them wasn't even worth your time because they were really the whole time just frightened people who were trying to, you know, who were wrapped up with these bad people. You know, yeah. well, it's <laughs> like like, uh, like Draco f- 
his most hateable factor is that up until the age of like 14, he was just spouting the same like hateful crap that he'd heard at home. Right. From his and father. half of it was like yeah. his father speaking to him. Right. And his his father building himself up as something bigger than he was because he wasn't that great of a wizard. Yeah. But it like but the second that Voldemort came back, Lucius changed as a person. Right. Like he yeah. went back to the terrified, sniveling piece of shit that he is because and, he didn't have that. He didn't have any ability to do any of the things he was talking about. He was almost like Gilderoy Lockhart in that way. <laughs> yeah. And well, and honestly, what happens with Draco is like he very much. Like age 15 was the moment that Draco Malfoy realized his parents were human. And that's a terrifying thing to realize. Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially well, in that context. <laughs> like, he just had no and, way. Of and that Voldemort, like the, the whole thing, everything that he was doing for that was because he was worried about his family. Yeah. And what Voldemort would do to them, you know? Yeah. And, and so he was manipulated through doing things as well. Right. And, uh, I think that, um, you know, the, the thing about it there that Voldemort like also underestimated that she loved Drake, like Narcissa loved her son. Like yeah. that love is more powerful than his agenda. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know I mean? <laughs> like, like Narcissa was the one who asked Severus to kill Dumbledore. Right. Because like, she didn't think her son would do it. And then he would get, you know, killed. Murdered. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and of course Severus, you know, used it as the opportunity because he knew he was going to have to kill Dumbledore anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but now Dumbledore. he had an excuse and Bellatrix Lestrange made it like binding, right? <laughs> right. And the whole thing is it, it didn't really matter because Dumbledore was going to die anyway because he had gotten cursed trying to open the locket. Locket. Yeah. No, he was wearing the ring. Well, wearing the ring, yeah. It, and yeah. it was, it, it was going to eat him up like slowly. There was nothing yeah. he could do about it. Yeah. So... He was, uh, you know, basically doing him a service. <laughs> As a side note, I want to say the I know a lot of stuff happens in Deathly Hallows Part One and Two, um, but I want to just po point out that there is one moment that is truly fucking terrifying in the last movie, and it is the Gray Lady screaming at Harry. Like, like they just just the way she like it's like a jump scare and then she's fully screaming and they like made her pupils bigger and her teeth sharper as she's screaming like he perverted it with dark magic and you're like sitting there you're like don't piss yourself don't piss yourself i am an adult this is fine <laughs> that's funny <laughs> like if i were harry i like she she would start doing that i think i would have actually gone like, ah! <laughs> i wouldn't have even heard her little speech because i'm too busy screaming <laughs> well um I mean, I, I, the thing that's interesting to me is, um, you know, now that other Wizarding World stories are happening, but they're only in movie form. And I wish they were books um, mm -hmm. for the pre-stories because mm -hmm. it's, su it's such a good storyline. And I wish I had all the details that I know yeah. are missing because they're making movies instead of making books and then changing them into movies. <laughs> right. Well, J.K. Rowling lost her marketability. So not really. I, well, I, I, that's a misnomer. Well, <laughs> that's 
that's the reason they're not books, Dad, is because the there's a taboo against buying something with her name on it right now. I guarantee it won't make any difference if she put it out. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I yeah. get that. But that's a test that people are not willing to make right now. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I think it's a... Um, the, the, the thing is that, um, you know, I also have if, read if, her Twitter and I am skeptical that if she wrote a book, it wouldn't be like that quality. <laughs> like, like, do like I don't know what has happened to her writing since the Harry Potter days, but like her long form ideas written out are not the same as they were in Harry Potter. Oh, I think her ideas are the same. I think no, um, I mean, like uh, maybe it's just like her nonfiction is not written in a way that I want to read. Because, mm. like, I've read her like three or four page open letter or whatever, and it's like crazy. And then, like, her tweets are crazy, her interviews oh. lately are crazy. Like, it's just not. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, I, I actually read her open letter and didn't find it crazy. I, I found it like completely in line with everything she's ever written. Sure. Uh, I I think that the, um, I think that there's a lot of sensitivity toward transgender folks and probably rightfully so in a lot of quarters, but, um, there's a lack of sensitivity toward what she's trying to say, which is that, you know, biological women, have fought for a really long time for equal rights and equal treatment as a gender. And so when we start blurring what gender lines are, it starts to blur what that those rights are. And I think that's what her problem is at its heart. But, you know, she says it in a lot longer winded fashion. And sometimes people take some of those things out of the context and really start to drive it like down some road that of hatred, which I don't think it comes from that from her. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think that, first of all, it's easy to get driven down the road of hatred when you don't have a a lot of people in your life who are willing to have hard conversations with you from the opposition. And so I don't entirely agree. Like, the way it is written comes from somebody who doesn't have a lot of, like, trans people in their life who are having open conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Um And obviously, I think that J.K. Rowling would be like, I've talked to plenty of trans people, but that doesn't translate very well in that letter to me. Um, I've had dialogue about it with like a lot of my friends, actually, like Ross and I once talked about it for like two or three hours. My main problem is not that she doesn't have points. Um, I think that like a lot of the time. It's hard to have conversations about like what the gender not like the gender spectrum like the conversation on gender evolving i'm trying to think of a way to say this it's hard to sometimes put yourself into conversations about that sort of thing um when it is an ever-shifting spectrum and like gender and how we see it is evolving but there are still a lot of people who are 20, 50 years back on the gender conversation. And that's not necessarily across the board an even line, right? Like 
even in Indiana, I say even in Indiana, in Indiana, that's like a very fucking wide spectrum just between like the center of Indianapolis and New Palestine are like, like all, all opinions along that spectrum live in that area, right? Like from well, downtown I, to Greenfield is like I, the I, I entire spectrum I don't think that ideas. it's an old way of seeing it. I think it's just a different way of seeing it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Uh, I don't think that we were having the same conversation about gender 50 years ago in an open setting. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but it seems to me that this conversation being out in the open is something that's pretty fucking new. Like, so, so I I, I, I don't think that it, it is that new. It's just that, um, I think that I think that uh, along the way, what people thought would happen as someone who's older, uh, that people would eventually just accept people for who they are and, wh- and however they wanted to dress and however they wanted to be. But when mm-hmm. you start taking the, the, to another level and um, throwing away biology for identity, which is a mental versus a physical trait, right? Right. Um, then w- what you do is you get into a gray area and a lot of people are not accepting of the mental traits when it's really black and white, what the physical ones are like 99% of the time, you know? Um, and so it's like, um, that's, that's why it's such a tough conversation because you're talking about people's mental state of mind instead of talking about, you know, I mean, we all know that there are some people who are born with both things, but it's very, very small. Like, you know, scientifically, like less than 1% of people have both sets of genitals, right? <laughs> right. But so, I don't think it's just a genital conversation is the thing. Oh, no, I'm, 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 I, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that those things have been tied to the mental state of what people see, like from the beginning of time immoral until now. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, not like, it's not just an old conversation. It is a current conversation as well, because what we're talking about is letting people decide what they're biologically are because we're treating biological and mental states of gender the same way. That's what, that's what, that's what the fight is about, whether those should be treated exactly the same way. And I think that that's a, it's a really tough conversation in some areas of society because of things that have happened to people and the way that they've been treated or the way that they haven't been treated on all spectrums of it, right? Like people Mm -hmm. have been treated poorly over time that want to dress like, you know, men that are women or women that want to dress like men that are, you know, and that was more of a cross-dressing thing, but to like take the whole thing and kind of try to shift your whole gender identity and, uh, and those things that becoming more like, uh, something that people want to do, which is a lot more, uh, than it used to be, um, out there because it, it, it frankly was quite a little niche of society and now it's become a lot more widespread. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that conversation about how to handle those things when it, when it, when it can matter to people and when it does, you know, when it can and when it don't, then it's a, it's an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been a kind of an issue talking about gender things, even with the physical of, you know, there were country clubs that didn't allow women or there were women's clubs that didn't allow men. Right. Right. Um, and those things, um, were always kind of touchy subjects uh, for, for years and years, the boy scouts allowing girls happened in like 1980 something. Right. You know? And, and that was mostly because of a court case where, 
like a girl wanted to be in the Boy Scouts, not because of her gender identity, but because she wanted to do but a because there of, wasn't a Girl Scout troop in town or some shit. Yeah. Right. And she wanted to do all the learn all the things that the Boy Scouts learn in their in their club. Right. Yeah. Quite frankly, and, as someone who was a Girl Scout, like the programming was very. It's very different. Right. Very. Different. Um, and so like and that's why they but but it, it wasn't that conversation was like very controversial and it wasn't even about the gender identity. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was it was just about, you know, can a girl do some of these activities? Right. Right. Physically, can she actually do them? And and the um, you know, and the court said, basically, it doesn't matter. They can try because not all the boys can do it either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. And, and and that's that and that's where like that that thing as it came down, not a lot of girls joined the Boy Scouts anyway. They were just allowed to, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because a, a lot of girls didn't want to be a Boy Scout. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't that they weren't accepted. It's just that they didn't want to do that stuff. Even if they were accepted, it it wasn't appealing to them, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I think that. Um, that, that's the, the, the tough thing that we're talking about here is all about, um, accepting people's mental choices about their gender. When some of things in our society are very deeply rooted in, we want to pe- we want certain people in our group that think the same way we do. That's the whole point of mm-hmm. like a men's club, right. Or, or of a girl's like a women's shelter, you know, the, uh, well, so- and, and so like when you, when you start to blur that line with people who've just chosen to, uh, through, through the way that they feel, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's just a choice. I mean, but you know, people that are doing it because of a, a mental state of mind, it becomes a gray area that some people just don't believe, you know? Well, so like, I think that like, uh, there are personal thoughts and lessons in my opinion that come from this conversation. Like, I think that I, I wouldn't trade like, being socialized as a girl for like a lot of things. Like I think that I am better off as an adult having not been raised in like this. Well, you could be non-binary like option. Like I'm glad that like there was a certain definition and a certain like societal structure that I fit into and was like given that structure and the like peer group to go along with it. Right. Like I'm not upset that I was a girl scout. I'm not upset that I was dressed in dresses when I was a kid. Like I fuck with dresses. Dresses are great. I like the idea that you guys took me out on the hiking trail and I ruined so many of them. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't wear boy clothes. You didn't like them. I don't, Mm -hmm. I still don't really like Mm -hmm. pants that much. Like I'm going to be honest with you. If I didn't have to wear them, eh. (laughs) <laughs> I could take or leave them really. I mean, like uh, from a very young age, you were totally a dress girl. Like, yeah. So, uh, but like the thing with, is with it, like there are also things that I know are affiliated with like being socialized as a girl that decidedly sucked and didn't have to be in there. <laughs> like, like um, I, I remember when I was in middle school and I started having a lot of guy friends there was like this taboo or this conversation among like my friend's parents where it was like, Oh, well, are you going to have like a boys girls party? And it was like, yeah, we're all nerds. So we're not exactly concerned about that sort of thing. Um, but like, I also remember like there was a lot of body shaming shit that like I was socialized into, like from a very young age, being big was not okay on like a whole, like self-worth level right (laughs) like so i think that like 
when you take that to a like conversation where it's like, okay, well, gender shouldn't be as big of an issue. I think that like, there's a certain level of, yeah, I'm okay with like socializing based on like biological gender, because going through puberty is a lot easier when you know that there are other girls in your class who are going to be like, Hey, you just bled through your pants. Would you like a pad from my locker? Like, you know, but I also don't <laughs> think that that should be an exclusionary label, right? Like if there were a trans kid in my class and they got their period, I would want them to know that like I'm looking out for them. So I think that it's a little bit like I don't necessarily like some of the conversations coming from people in my group where it's like six cis straight women saying like, oh, well, you're threatening what it means to be a woman or a girl, because I'm like, I don't really want anybody who doesn't fit into my label to feel like shit just because they're not right. Like that sucks. So. No, I, and I think that that's where um, where J.K. Rowling's, you know, uh, her opinions lie, that she thinks that it does take away from f biological females' rights when trans women have the same rights because she sees them as but, biological males, you know? Yeah, which is and, 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 and exclusionary and bad. It's, like. not, it's not necessarily hatred, though. I think that like it, it goes too far to say that she hates them because I don't. I don't feel like that's the case. Well, it is I, transphobic I, at the very least. It is fearful well, that they might take something from her. Honestly, I don't think she's like transphobic. Her. I think she's malephobic. I think she's sure. afraid of biological males. I don't. I don't think that it's sure. trans at all. I think. <laughs> well, I think I, that I, I think something happened to her when she was younger. I know. I know she said something about that in the letter. And that that whatever trauma that she went through with a man, it, it carries over to all men. Like, and and I yeah. see that, I see that with women a lot. Not not mm -hmm. trans or or otherwise, but like you know, just women in general. That if they've had a you know a trauma with a guy, um, yeah. all guys are a suspect until until proven otherwise. You know, well, I, mean? I don't know <laughs> if I've ever told you about this, but I know a few different people who turned out to be trans women when they and met them when they were still identifying as male mm -hmm. and it, it, <laughs> there's a very fine line and it's it's just one of those things where you you realize in retrospect like wow i see the world in a very specific way but like there there's apparently a very fine line between someone coming off as a little creepy and someone wanting to be you because you're a girl <laughs> right like so there have been several turned out to be trans women like closeted trans women who have behaved a little bit too close to my friend group and i uh, it usually goes something along the lines of oh x is being kind of creepy i don't know if i should say something to him or not and then maybe a year or two down the line they come out as a trans woman and it's like oh that was why you were being a little too too close, comfortable inviting yourself over. Like, well, I'm like probably that explains... asking questions about how you do things that like normal guys wouldn't ask. Right. right. That, that, Which that, sounded that, a little someone, bit like, yeah. oh, I'm the... trying to get into your dorm room and be around too much. Right. Like, right. And um, maybe, when maybe one they, of them, they wanted, they wanted to know how makeup worked and how like the things that like women teach each yeah. other. Right. Yeah. Like, or like, um, like, like being at a party and specifically inserting yourself into our group of six women and then telling one of us that, like, you felt a real soul connection with another one of the group, which is like, 
a thing that a creepy guy would say at a house show. But then given the context of, oh, that person wants to be a woman and is a woman like, oh, that's different. Right. Like, yeah. You can and that's why I say all of this is a really it's a really challenging thing for society to handle. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's so many different opinions about how to treat people anyway. But when you start putting this um, thing that is culturally different and it's such a it's such a, a, a blast shift in the last five years. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, you're asking a whole lot of people. You know, like yeah. <laughs> you really. Well, it, it's just one of those things I mean, where it's like, um, I think that like maybe one of the best soft skills I've developed is like allowing myself to slowly but surely admit that maybe my initial vibe check was wrong. Like, yeah. Like, well, and and also, I mean, I I think that's the thing where you say that J.K. Rowling you know, has lost, uh, the ability to be marketable. And I don't, I don't think it's true. Cause I think that, uh, honestly, um, well, I, there, what I'm saying a, is a, like, there's a very large portion of the population that, that doesn't even understand why anybody has a controversy against her. Right. Right. <laughs> but like, um, uh, what so I'm no. saying is more like there is a large group of people who would be very skeptical until like the writing samples and the reviews from a trusted source came in. Right. Like, oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, but, um, you know, I mean, if someone like Morgan Wallen can redeem himself in some way, then J.K. Rowling has. I no, mean, Louis no C.K. is doing. selling out stadiums, so I'm sure that she would make money off of another Harry Potter project. I mean, come on, I it's mean, just a matter of whether or not the IP will let her touch it again. Like so. you know, like uh, you know, and I'm not one to defend Morgan Wallen in any short shape, way, shape, or form. But you know, he was a drunk redneck spouting off, and he's just kind of a dumb kid, right? And mm-hmm. um. And, you know, but you can see that in his heart, he had a lot of little racial uh, racism going on, kind of built into his soul, you know, Mm -hmm. and that that came out when he was drunk and people like, you know, and I actually think that maybe the kid learned something from the whole situation. Right. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't like a thought out, like, <laughs> you know, thing in any way, shape or form. And I think that's the same, you know, but, but then you get into like Louis CK's situation and you're like, okay, well, that wasn't like, that wasn't like a one-off or a, you know, <laughs> like he did that <laughs> repeatedly and people like knew about it. And well, it wasn't like at a party, he got like a little bit too rowdy and got caught on tape, you know, like, like it was premeditated. Was, uh, in fact, it seemed like in certain aspects, he was joking about it in live audiences. And then it came out later, like, Oh, you really did that. Okay. That's fucked up. <laughs> exactly. You know, so like I, some I mean, comedy should be made up, Louie. You don't actually have to put yourself you know, in the situation to make the joke. And, and those things are about people hiding kind of who they are and it kind of spilling out right yeah and the, but jk rowling isn't hiding who she is i mean she's just like writing it out true. trying to write it out in like a way that people would understand um, well and uh, then the, uh, uh, the other side uh, of it is like uh, i would say i honestly one of the weird things is like i didn't realize how severely some right-wing propagandists were like using her as god to their agenda right they should not do that because most of her agenda is completely counter to them <laughs> i understand e- that even, but even like like even this part <laughs> is really completely counter to the right because if you like read what she's talking about it's like you're if you're trying to use that as right-wing stuff that's a really bad place to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> so a uh, left-wing thing that she's got going it's just a different branch of it <laughs> yeah so so what's really weird is like i i was 
<laughs> I was telling um, I was telling Jamie about this actually because I was reading a newspaper. I've been like cycling through the newspaper papers here trying to um, figure out like the vibe of each one, and some of them are really really funny because I'll see a job posting or like a post from them in general, an article from them in general. And I'll be like, oh, what's this one about? Because like when I first moved here, I knew about like The Guardian and that was about it. Um, And it's like the, I forget which particular periodical it was, but it was like the right wing one in the area. And I didn't realize it was until like, I read one article on their front page and I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird perspective to be making. And then I read the second one. I was like, okay, that one's also pretty weird and then i came to the third and it was talking about like the gender um confirmation bill that just went through like scottish parliament and got tossed out or whatever and it was trying to pit nicola sturgeon's political views against jk rawlings tweets and it was like on the front page of their newspaper i was like okay so on one side of this argument you have nicola sturgeon the leader of the scottish government and on the other side, you have J.K. Rowling, who is a children's book author and activist in England. So not in this country. Uh, uh, well, and an activist for women's rights. Yeah, and right. an activist for women's rights. And you're just trying yeah. to be like, well, J.K. Rowling doesn't think this trans bill is necessarily good. And it's like, well... J.K. Rowling is not a citizen she, she, of Scotland. She, uh, she thinks it's a different. Uh, she thinks it's bad for a different reason. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> the, it's like, like you, the, the, that's the problem there. It's like she's she doesn't like it from the other side of it, not from your side. Well, of it. and also yeah. it was just very weird, like putting like a, like a political statistic and like the factual like C-SPAN. Like this is what the leader of the government is saying. This is what their opposition in government is saying. And then we also have this tweet from this person who is not directly <laughs> affiliated with the bill at all or in the parliamentary body at all. She's just like, like the most famous person in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. like, and we've pulled this famous person's opinion. Next, hear what Graham Norton has to say about school uniforms. Like, you know, well, you it's know, just weird. I mean, the uh, the interesting thing about her is how like her characters like throughout the Harry Potter series, you know, they're of all different diversities and things. And basically, Harry Potter is a big championing of diversity kind of series. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think um, that like it, it it would only make sense for her to write it like that because it's like. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense that like all of the wizards are white if magic is like a naturally occurring thing. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, that no, would be I mean, weird. <laughs> right. But I mean, like the diversity, like, you know, Dumbledore is gay and he's the head of the biggest school in the, you know. Um, yeah. Well, uh, and, and it was weird that like people like when she came out and she was like, no, Dumbledore is gay. And then you like reread like the whole thing with Grindelwald and you're like, yeah, that is pretty gay, actually. Now that I think about it. <laughs> It's really, that's really, that was a whole relationship, wasn't it? It was a whole like well-rounded relationship of, you know, uh, young love between two males, you know, that that went um, bad. Like it went, it went bad. It was not a good end, but well, and then, and then the prequel movie, which is based on that like section from that, you know, um, yeah. the, 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 you know, you really get to see it. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, it, it was it was not just like a one-sided thing. It was a big, yeah, <laughs> big, 
It was a big deal. The book, those mm-hmm. movies are so good. Like, you know, um, the secrets of Dumbledore and all of that. I mean, you know, especially like for the time period in which that story, the story is set, right. Mm-hmm. W- which is a time period where, you know, whether you're a wizard or not, that's not something you can publicly do. Right. right. <laughs> um, and so, well, especially in the UK, like they had really strict, like anti-gay legislation for a long time. Yeah. So. Really long time. It was very illegal to be gay here. <laughs> right. It's like they developed um, secret languages and shit to hide it. Like it was not. And then the right. AIDS and like the AIDS epidemic just made it a million times worse because then it was like, oh, they're. Well, they, they, uh, the, the thing is that there was an assumption that if you had AIDS, you were gay. Yeah. Uh, which is not necessarily true, true it was, at all. Yeah, yeah. It was like also like. Once, once, the science, and- once the science caught up to things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that didn't really change social opinion because they really like pushed the if you have AIDS, you're gay campaign a little bit too fucking hard. Um, well, there's, you know, there's also a, an issue of like a little bit. Sometimes biological ginger makes you more susceptible than things than others. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, men are more susceptible in general to catch AIDS, not just because of the way it's transmitted. So, so interesting <laughs> conversation I had with, um, my friend Sada, um, that like they told me some statistic and of course I did not fact check. So maybe this is not true, but they told me that like black queer women were the largest group that have AIDS today. And I was like, huh, that is crazy to me. Like mainly because what I was doing was like, I had like a standard exam with my doctor and they were like, well, while we're here and having an awkward day, would you like to just get an STD screening? I was like, what is all does it screen for? And one of the things was HIV. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I went home and I looked up how susceptible women are to like j- like sexually transmitted AIDS. And it's very transmittable. <laughs> like, like it, it is, is a concern. Yes. I was like, yeah. oh. That's terrifying. Like, like that's not cool. So, um, the um, by race, uh, black people are the highest than Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see just by gender. I don't. Um, I don't see a by gender only stat. It's like amongst women, these groups, but I don't see a, <laughs> you know, the most, um, uh, the, the, this is by geographical region. Hmm. Do you know that the Southeast United States is the biggest? Like Georgia? Um, like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, North hmm. Carolina. Yeah. I did not know that, but yep, that is interesting. There's some pretty dark areas in California as well, like in the red, dark red. <laughs> but, I mean, that's probably linked to drug usage, I would think. The southeast is, well, I know it's around San Francisco, so it probably is both, uh, you know. Both, yeah. Yeah. Um, Both of the common causes, yes. Right. Um, but let me see. 
I'm trying to find uh, gender statistics. Maybe there we go. Uh, ah, it has become more prevalent above a, a, among adult women than men now. Hmm. Oh. So go Sada for knowing a stat. Shout yeah. out Sada. That is that is an accurate stat. We have stat. We have fact checked you. Thank you. Well, and I'm guessing that uh, that is probably because, um, you know, women don't think they can get it or, yeah. you know, aren't as protected. Well, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, I was like, you know, this this whole conversation is one of those things I really wish somebody had brought up in uh, in sex ed. Like, <laughs> like that whole... Sex ed, did you actually have any of that? Because, like, that's a real yeah. controversy here at the, at the moment. In, in... Oh, well, um, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you what my sex ed background is, if you would like. Um, so probably, they had a... Probably not much, I'm guessing. Well, in fifth grade, we had a really awkward video presentation where they separated the boys and the girls. Um, Uh And ours had a funny little um, 25-minute explainer of men's genitalia and then a two-minute explanation of what women's genitalia is like. And I stress again that this was in the girls' group that they did this. Um, And then they were like, you might get your period. Here's a period prep kit. Um, and then in sixth grade, uh, they had a woman come in and shame us for an hour. Um, and I started laughing partway through. And I remember the girl in front of me uh, turned around and was like, shh, this is important. And I remember thinking, yeah, maybe for you. <laughs> and uh, that's the first time I ever slut shamed. Um, so sorry to that girl. Uh <laughs> Anyway, um, and that, nice. yeah, so like a lot I'm of, glad you um, could admit your flaws, Bailey. Yeah. So like, basically that was the only like sex ed through middle school. And then in high school, um, they integrated sex education into like health and wellness class. Right. Which was like the gym adjacent classroom thing where they like taught you the food pyramid, even though it was like out of date and they made you teach like an entire room of young adults how to check for breast cancer even though like only part of the room had to actually worry about properly checking breast tissue um uh, no i hear all this and now i'm just i'm disturbed by this other thing because it's it's near and dear to my heart um they in in the 2010s they were still Mm -hmm. teaching you about the 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 food pyramid which has been debunked by all science Right. Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. We had a discussion of the food pyramid. The food pyramid is ridiculous. It is how you can, if you follow the food pyramid, I guarantee you will gain weight at a rapid clip. Yeah, because the largest um, thing is carbs in it. Yes. Because it tells you to eat like a bunch of carbohydrates every day and hardly mm-hmm. any protein at all. And the yeah. opposite is actually what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. If it makes you feel better, this is the same classroom where they were t- trying to tell um, us how to properly check for. Uh, breast cancer and they handed me an a cup sized bag of sand like literally it it was like the size of a pear and (laughs) i remember looking at the teacher at the time i had like double d's and i like looked at her i was like uh do you got anything bigger that might (laughs) be a little bit more pertinent to my situation <laughs> i also remember they made us do bmi calculations also not an accurate display of health and it like they had you th- hold this thing that like did an electronic wave through your body to tell your bmi and it didn't even register because it, it basically like hit my chest and then was like nope don't know what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it like just pulled up an error message and I was like, oh, great. That, that, those are always good for your self-esteem, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, like that was you. the same I, classroom. I, I, my favorite they, thing in the world is standing on a scale and it says A-E-R-R. Yeah. Like, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. So best. yeah, that was like, that was like the sex ed classroom where basically the primary thing they taught us about was different STDs. Um, like the symptoms of gonorrhea and chlamydia, how easy it is for them to spread with unprotected sex. Um, and then they didn't like mention any alternatives to unprotected sex, um, <laughs> at all. Didn't explain any birth control methods, um, except briefly mentioning condoms, which <laughs> as an adult who has tried now, like three or four different contraceptive methods. Um, I got to say, I wish somebody had just been like, hey, let me tell you what hormonal birth control is and what it might do. Um, because, ow. Well, there's um, there's there's lots of different uh, methodologies, but they all seem to have been working for you uh, so far. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're at zero um, children. That's your, your child count so far. Yeah, and so. and and thank you, modern science, um, and also abstinence. You know, I'm basically a saint, and <laughs> oh, that that does work. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you can maintain abstinence, it does work. I'm well, I assume positive. that's what kept you from having more children is abstinence. No, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's a fair way to end the show today um, <laughs> and just fades to black we don't, we don't um, need to talk about these things um so um, so so some moral lessons for you all today um i would say uh check with your doctor if you have any health concerns um, definitely and, so and please don't take any of our statistics as like um anything more than we're good at google I mean, yeah, we we looked at what the Pew Research Center had to say about I, I HIV. Know, I, I don't know if it was Pew; it was the CDC. But oh, yeah. well, okay. Yeah, thank I, you, I, CDC. I, they have a lot of stats on here um, about the different ways you can catch it, and wow, it's a lot. Yeah, and fact um, check your friends. Uh, I think that that that's a good takeaway as well. If you feel like they said something, and you're like, that sounds like bullshit. It probably is. Go ahead and check. Probably is. Uh, yes, and, and, and then can, sometimes you'll find out it's not. So that's yeah. nice. I, uh, you know, I highly suggest reading all uh, the, the CDC is usually a decent um, uh, place to find statistics about what people have actually caught. But I know there are some out there that don't trust it. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't. That's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely not a higher body of information I would yeah. trust when it comes to like there's health not, organization uh, stats. Yeah. Um, it's it's as good as it gets, and uh, it's what we got. So go look at it if you, if yeah. you want that. And um, please don't uh, take any thing I said today as gospel. It's probably not. I'm usually wrong about things. He's not even a very religious man. So, I mean, let's not bring religion into it. I don't know. If that's well. You're the one who said gospel. I was just making a riff joke off of that. Oh, I see. I was like, I don't know that religion has anything to do with my stats that I was pulling up on Google. <laughs> Well, it does whether or not you're you're part of the gospel, especially whether or not your word is gospel. If you were like I a am, preacher, then I some mean, of your words would be I gospel. I actually preach the gospels better than most most preachers. Well, I've never heard so. it, so that'll be for another time. 
I mean, you may have heard it, just don't realize it because I'm subtle. <laughs> I'm subtle that way. You've heard it here, folks. He's been hiding the gospel into our conversations. I like mean, you uh, might I, hide I, I, broccoli I, in a pile of cheese for a toddler. Sometimes um, things get uh, mixed in that are uh, completely to do with my beliefs in a truly unique way. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about that? I can't quote the book chapter or the verse, but you can't tell me it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse. Wow. Did you just like pull out uh, song lyrics? Yes, I did. From Brooks and Dunn? Yes. Well, is that the extent of your religious beliefs? Um, <laughs> I, here's the thing. I'm not a religious person, uh, but that song does slap. <laughs> it is a great song. It's a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> well, the religion, religion, according to Brooks and Dunn, I'm sure that they would be very pleased that they touched you in that way. Honestly, I, I you know what? Here's the thing. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say that I necessarily agree with Brooks and Dunn on 99% of our philosophy. <laughs> I, I haven't had a sit down conversation with them, but I'm just, my vibe check says we might disagree on a few things. Um, but that <laughs> song vibe. is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, Billy Deluxe is really good as well. I love Billy Deluxe is a fun one. Yeah. Big riding song. in a small town. Yeah. Tearing it up. <laughs> riding around sundown. Did you play that one for Jimmy yet? No. You have to. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of the country but, song. I was, if, he's coming was, over uh, to, if he's coming over to take you out for a date tonight, I recommend playing the Hillbilly Deluxe album as he's coming. The when, whole when it, album. It, like, just start the album off when, he, when oh. he's coming up the stairs. So that it was, it just, And play it really loud when he walks in. So... I like in front of him the other day, I played um, this like Instagram video where they like made the words to country girl, shake it for me into like Simlish. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, Oh, you don't know the song by Luke Bryan. <laughs> and I pulled it up and started singing along to it. And I was like, do y'all not listen to country music here? And he was like, I think it's just that we don't really identify with it as much. And I was like, well, that would make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Garth Brooks is really huge in the UK. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm certain <laughs> there is a following for it here, yeah. but like, like, I don't think that it's like the same as Indiana. Oh, definitely not at all. <laughs> like, yeah. But so. I, th I think you should uh, definitely. I think I think when he comes in, you should have Hillbilly Deluxe playing at full volume. Oh, like, and just singing and dancing to it as he comes in, like right around just, down. just as a test to see how how black denim and chrome went alone in the little homegrown country girl <laughs> kind of love. Hillbilly Deluxe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah singing it full redneck too don't don't uh, what don't, i don't. what i really love about indiana you, you, um, you, you come from a long line of rednecks bailey so, i know this you know. what i really love about like the few years i got to be in my early 20s in indianapolis was like it's a real hit or miss on whether or not someone grew up with country music but when they do it's always the most unexpected motherfucker it'll be like someone in all black and docks with like <laughs> like too much makeup on their face and they're like fully willing to sing toby keith with you at the top of their lungs <laughs> You're like, dude like neon moon is like some sort of cross-world internet sensation i don't know yeah like, when i was still um when i was still with adam i remember it was like one summer two or three years ago sitting out back 
bonfire. His roommate Owen comes out and we start singing Amarillo Sky together. <laughs> I remember like everybody else at the house at the time was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, Y'all don't know Amarillo Sky? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> they're like, you know, that's not how you pronounce it. I was like, it's Amarillo, Texas. So yes, it is. <laughs> and I've been to Amarillo. And, and I have. <laughs> and they've got some fucked up bathrooms. <laughs> but at least of- but at least they have a vending machine where you can buy cigarettes. And, so. and they have a metric ton of rednecks. Like that's the, so the, true. The, yeah. And they were uh they were very kind to us and cool people and they liked all my music, so whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, are you thinking that they were genuinely kind and cool, or did you just like that they liked your music? I mean, they loved my music, so I I, I love them. They're great guys. Mm-hmm. I played your music for Jimmy the other day. He was like, oh, that's cool. He's like a singer-songwriter type. And I was like, that's a... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, way to go. So, you know, yeah. we started recording uh, yesterday, so the first song that we... <laughs> the first song that we recorded was Beer School, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we'll see how this, uh, I, the, 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 there's definitely a country song on the record. <laughs> well, I would hope so. If it's called beer school, it's probably a country song. Is that what you're telling me? Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and well, ruined your black tie affair. I, I didn't write that one. That would be someone else's. Yeah, but it is a good song. It is. It's a great song. I wouldn't call it good. I would call it great. Yeah. So, hey, um, we we should go. But uh, next time, I will okay. have watch some Gilmore Girls, and we'll be ready for that. So cool. Sounds All good. Right. Love, Love you. Love you, Dad. Thank you for being a part of the Family Rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.